We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the October 25th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Derek Van Riper and I are going to preview all the week. What week are we in? Seven, eight? I'm losing eight. track. Eight? We're up to eight. Jeez. Goes so fast. Goes so they grow up so fast, Derek. All of them. Yeah. They do. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad this one is progressing at its current pace. It's, it's points everywhere. It's great. Yeah. No, like it, it's, it's not dragging, and I, I feel like there are just enough good games most weeks to kind of get you through each block. Yep. Um, but we've got two tank teams. Giants and Raiders, congratulations. You're the first teams to tank, officially. I mean, I think the Cardinals are still trying. They might not have a choice but to go down in flames, but the... Uh, the Giants and Raiders, there's white flags are up. If the Cardinals were planning to tank, wouldn't they have traded David Johnson instead of extending him? Yeah, probably. But hey, if the Giants were planning to tank, wouldn't they have done 85 things differently? Yeah, oh yeah. Like they're they're serious. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's funny because we assume teams actually plan the tank more often than they do yeah i think a lot of times something or a couple of things go wrong for a a very average sort of team and when things start to go poorly you can lose control of the locker room you can have some players who you know are less inclined to play hurt different things like that that come up that make things worse than they really are and then from the outside we're all just like that's a tank and it's i don't know like the, the raiders weren't planning on tanking this year yeah. Even, they just don't want to pay Khalil Mack. Like that was that was it. And the Amari Cooper trade was surprising in that they found somebody willing to give up a first rounder for a guy that hurt his value a ton last season and through the first half of this one. I mean, if going into 2017, someone said, "Oh yeah, the Raiders traded Amari Cooper for a first rounder," you go, "Okay, yeah, that makes sense." But the last 18 months for him have been brutal. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah, Mark Cooper gets two weeks off, which is kind of cool. 
that's great. I mean, I still gets the same paycheck, right? That's that's yeah. a small win. Well, hard to argue with that. All right, folks, check us out on Twitter. We're uh, I'm at jhalpin37. He is at Derek Van Riper. You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get player updates at Rotowire NFL, or you can find us on Facebook. Okay, let's get going with the rest of Week Eight: the buys, Chargers, Titans, Cowboys, Falcons. Tonight's game: Dolphins, Texans. So last week, the Texans sent Deshaun Watson to Jacksonville on a bus because they were afraid of him flying. They were not afraid of him getting killed by a very good NFL defense, but they were afraid of him flying, which, you know, I guess you got to play the game. He doesn't seem to be running right now. Until we're sure he's healthy. From the looks of it, from what we know, you would think they're trying to protect him and that there's a conscious decision. I know he had seven rushing attempts technically last week, but there's some sort of conscious decision to protect him a little bit. Until we see that the that you know he's been that the reins are free, do do we sit Deshaun Watson because if he's just a passer, eh, he's just all right. He definitely falls out of the automatic play every week group, which he was in there from from week two to week five. He was over three hundred yards to the air every week, uh, at least thirty six yards on the ground, multiple touchdowns in three of those four games. You know, one rushing score. He was kind of checking. Most, if not all, the boxes we were seeing from last year without the insanely high touchdown rate that he had before tearing the ACL. You know, Week one, it was easy to look back at that and say, Belichick had a plan. He saw it before. He made adjustments. It was also the first game of the season coming off the ACL. Uh, there were a lot of reasons to, to kind of buy into why he struggled that first game back. And then ever since, uh, really, it was the collapsed lung that first came up, I think, in that Dallas game. That was the stethoscope game, right? Right, I think and so. And mm-hmm. like once that changed, it definitely seemed like Watson's health has taken a major hit. A short week, at least he gets Miami at home. But if you're ranking all the quarterbacks this week, he's probably closer to twelve on the list than than like three or four, where he'd be if everything were were completely healthy. All right, so the Rotowire projections have him at seven for the week. I mean, I, I've got him at fifteen. I've got him behind Stafford, Wentz, Newton, Jameis, Breeze. Trubisky, lots of people. I mean, I'm just not. I'm not there. If I have Watson, I'm, I'm unless my my second quarterback is one of the dregs, you know, the Keenums or lower, then I'm probably sitting him out. So. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff's got him at 12 on the value meter. It's ahead of Keenum, even against KC. It's on the road. Wentz at Jacksonville. When I don't know that that's a really good coin flip. Like if you if you took Watson and got that discount on Wentz and just said, you know what? Both are coming off torn ACLs. They were both awesome last year. I'm going to catch lightning in a bottle with one of these guys. This is the the worst week so far, potentially, of having to choose between them. Yeah, yeah, I'm going I'm going Wentz in that one. It's close, but I, I agree with that. Um, all right, speaking of Wentz, Jags-Eagles, Sunday morning, 9.30 again, everybody. Wake up, set your lineups. If you're on the West Coast, we don't want to hear that you slept past 6.30 and forgot to put in a lineup, okay? No complaining. You, you Change them before you go to bed. Is what it is. Get up, watch football, lay in bed, watch football. It's fun. Um, can the Eagles run on these guys? They didn't run much last week. Panthers de- run defense is pretty good. Pass defense not great, but the run defense is pretty good. Yeah, I'm I'm not convinced that the Eagles are going to run it really effectively. I mean, part of that's just the, the personnel they've got right now, too, that backfield is is down kind of back to where it was last year before they traded for Jay Ajayi. So that's definitely an area of concern. You know, I was just surprised last week. I thought Carson Wentz was going to play even a little better than he did. He ended up putting up good numbers. He went over 300 yards at 310 and two touchdowns. I was surprised in that last drive against the Panthers that he didn't get the job done there. I thought he was going to be able to find a way to put the Eagles back on top for good. And I, I, I think this is going to be a really good test. I mean, getting the Jags in London is basically like getting them uh, away from Duval, at least, so that certainly helps. We've seen what this defense, when banged up, can uh, can be exposed for in the last few games. That Dallas game, probably the second most surprising result, like Dallas Jacksonville uh, of the season behind the Buffalo Minnesota game in Week Three. So, if that version of the Jags defense shows up, I think Carson Wentz can do a lot of damage in the air. But I think the ground game is going to be an area where they're going to struggle. Yeah. By the way, folks, your over under here is forty two and a half. So it looks like a Vegas thinks defensive battle. What mm. I want to see here, Alshon Jeffrey looks different to me. He looks better. 
I, I, like a re- he, last week and the week before, I, I watched both, and he looks like he's just, I don't know. I don't know if it's another gear. I don't know if he looks stronger. I know he's had ups and downs with injuries in the past. I, you know, last year, not so much, but I don't know. He, he looks like a little bit of a different guy, and I'm curious to see how he goes against Jalen Ramsey. I mean, Wentz, is thrown to, Wentz is feeding him now, for sure. I mean, 22 targets last two weeks. But he, d- does he look any? Have you noticed anything? I, I feel like I'm watching him going, wow, he's, he looks stronger, maybe faster, going up and taking the ball from people, maybe a little more than he did before. Yes, he does look different to me. I was not taking the discount on Elshon Jeffrey back during draft season. I mean, he was sliding a little bit, kind of a fringy top 50 overall pick in a lot of leagues, maybe even fell to the fifth or sixth round in some rooms. I didn't want that discount because I wasn't sure how quickly he'd come back from that shoulder injury and look like himself. And I wonder if part of the reason why he looks different is because last year he was playing through that for a good portion of the year. I mean, 6.6 yards per target last year was easily the lowest mark of his career. And he played at some pretty mediocre Bears teams before that. So the efficiency's back up closer to where we're accustomed to seeing it, just below 8 yards per target right now at 7.8. I think the longer he's out there with Wentz throughout the second half, better chances of, of that kind of creeping up uh, into the eight and a half range, kind of closer to like a career norm for Alshon Jeffrey. So uh, this week, yeah, maybe going up against Jalen Ramsey, you, you dial back the expectations a bit. Good news is it's not on the main DFS slate. Uh, and in season long with a few good teams on by and chargers and Falcons taking a few key pieces away, especially you probably are still rolling Jeffrey out there in just about every scenario, but you're expecting a bit less given the low over under total and, the quality of, of some of the matchups that the Jags can create against him defensively. Okay, one other note in this game. TJ Yeldon's been pretty much a must-play lately with Leonard Fournette out. Now that they have Carlos Hyde, uh, some sort of timeshare going on here, I noticed that the uh, the Rotowire projections really dinged Yeldon. Uh, he's coming in at RB33 with Hyde at RB43. I'm a little more optimistic. I've got Yeldon at 21. Maybe that's too aggressive, but I kind of, I mean, because he can catch the ball, because he's been with them longer. I feel like Hyde will be the, even though what did Coughlin call him, the hammerback or whatever it was, like we got a strong power running game now. Well, I don't know. I, I feel like Yeldon's going to be on the strong side of that timeshare. What do you think? I think at the very least, Yeldon's still the pass catcher and he's getting some of the carries. I think it's going to take a little time for Hyde to get up to like 60 or 65% of the carries. I think it's probably going to be smaller than a 50% share for him in the running game. And then Yeldon is the third down guy. So for this week, I would still be more comfortable using Yeldon than Hyde if I were in a situation where I had them both. And generally, I would say I don't think I'm quite comfortable even using Carlos Hyde anywhere. And if I'm desperate because of buys and injuries, he's a Hail Mary play for me. He's not a good flex option or somebody you really want to have in your lineup until you get a better sense of how much of that playbook he's picked up. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I'm not using Hyde anywhere. Seahawks-Lions is next Man, so this this trade, um, Damon Harrison, Giants trading him to the Lions for a fifth-round pick. I think the only people who might hate this trade more than Giant fans is our Chris Carson owners. Because this just basically, for this Sunday, threw a big, giant roadblock right in front of Chris Carson. Not that Harrison changes Carson's entire outlook on his own, but this is one of the best run-stopping defensive tackles in the league. And Seattle's a team that basically is committed to the run this season. Yeah, I mean, good work by the Lions pulling that trade off because they absolutely had to do something to try and fix that run defense, and and having snacks out there will absolutely push them in the right direction. The question is, can can they go from extremely bad to good? Can they get to league average? Like with him out there, how much does that unit improve as a whole? Like, what's what do you think the most likely outcome is? What do you think the pie in the sky for this season is? with Harrison joining that Lions defense. Like, I, I think that th- that makes it a dramatic upgrade for them. He's really good. So, I mean, I don't know, you know, if, if they go from, you know, 30th to 20th, I don't know what that means. I, I'm not sure exactly, but it really helps that run defense. That, he, he's a huge presence that changes things quite a bit for them. So, yeah. great job by them. And look, I, I understand that there are salary issues that, you know, made the mid-round pick what it had to be, what the trade had to be, probably. I don't know. It depends on. I mean, some people still think it was a dumb trade for the Giants, but whatever. But uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I agree with you. That, that changed. I, the line, I, I'm, my my opinion of the Lions is is changing very rapidly over the last few weeks. 
Yeah, no, they kind of started with that win at home against the Packers, and they've been building up some momentum uh, since then. I'm looking at the, the Chris Carson carry chart, you know, week by week, and they do try to run him outside the tackles a bit. I mean, more than the Cardinals were running David Johnson outside the tackles, I guess, is my, my current baseline since that was the first chart I looked at closely this year. But, uh, yeah, it's going to make things a lot tougher. And I just wonder, can Seattle start to get right in the passing game. Doug Baldwin being healthy or healthier, yeah, I think is a really big development for them because Tyler Lockett was playing well in Baldwin's absence. So if you got two weapons in the passing game on the outside, especially that can win in one-on-one coverage, that does hope does add some hope for Russell Wilson in the passing attack, like being a little healthier there. That could be a big lift having Doug Baldwin back at this level. We saw six for 91 on eight targets in their London game against the Raiders before the bye week. So that just gives me some some optimism that he's going to be used kind of like he normally would coming out of the bye week especially. All right. Um, back to Carson real quick. The Rotowire projections have him at 19 at running back. I've got him 18th, so we're not suggesting that you bench him necessarily. It's just that you know it, it, it's, it's a factor in a, in a matchup that looks sweet for him. As far as Wilson goes, yeah, I agree. Um, it, it's been, Baldwin, the game before the bye, Baldwin seemed to – you, you looked at him and you said, oh, maybe he's finally okay. So that's good. But the weird thing about Wilson here, which I, I don't quite understand. I mean, the Seahawks with this commitment to the run, just puzzling all around. So they draft Penny, but then they let Carson win the job. I mean, hey, if the best player wins, he wins. But then why'd you draft Penny? And you've got this top, what, quarterback? 10, 8, 6. I don't know what he is, but he's up there. Russell Wilson, and he's throwing, I don't know, less than 30 times a game. And he's not running. Like, what, what are you doing? I don't, I, don't, I don't quite understand it. I mean, forget fantasy where you can't. I'd be happy if you all wanted to drop Russell Wilson. I mean, I, I'm not confident that he's going to bounce back just because of the way Seattle's playing and, and what the, the way they're focused on the run. But I, from a real-life standpoint, I, I don't quite get it. I think that's just the long-winded explanation that I could give you in two words. Brian Schottenheimer. <laughs> and there you have it. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, who do you like best out of the Lions receivers? Pick one. This week. Uh, this, this game wrecks me every single week. I mean, I'm, I'm in a lot of PPR leagues, so my mind goes to volume first. I think that always leads me to Golden Tate, but I just think that my, my new hierarchy, at least, is Galladay has passed Jones. He's been ahead of him for a few weeks now. And it's probably like 1A, 1B with Tate and Galladay, and they do pretty different things. And then Jones is just the other guy, kind of option three, option C, whoever wherever you want to put him on the list. But um, I, yeah, I think Tate still has that rapport with Stafford. And it, it's, it's strange because he's coming off two pretty light games. But remember, you know, week five against Green Bay, that game script was horrible for the passing attack because the Lions had a huge lead early and were basically just running the clock out throughout the second half. So I wouldn't look at, at last week and pair it with Green Bay's matchup and say, oh, well, the Golden Tate's kind of falling out of favor. I think that was kind of a, a fluky two-game stretch. Yep, and I wouldn't read anything. I wouldn't read anything into the Michael Roberts thing from last week, but I am reading something. Like You've got these three receivers in Detroit and from on a week to week basis, like you said, you play this game and it always burns you. You, you never know who's going to come out on top. And now you bring in the fact that they actually can run the ball a bit. It's not, you know, hey, you've got three receivers, but they can all be okay because their running game is terrible. It's not that way anymore. So, because Stafford's attempts are down. He's just yeah, that's less. strange for him. That's really, it's like not normally what you get from them. So that's that's the problem too. Is like if. If their defense is actually pretty good and their offense doesn't have to run as many plays, if they have leads and they can run the ball more and if on Johnson gives them a running threat they haven't had the last couple of years, it's a totally different looking offense, even though uh, Jim Bob Cooter is still the offensive coordinator. I think the, the thing that we all liked about Stafford coming to the season was that you know, he had those weapons and there was no... There's no reason to think that they would significantly scale back his attempts, but I believe you're right. I think he's on pace for like low 500s, which would be his lowest full season total pretty much ever as a starter from start to finish. And and the thing is, his 
his full season pace so far is not down too much. But if you look at the game by game, they were way down to the Jets and the Niners. So he threw a ton. Last four games, 36-30, 26-22. So it's, it's changing. When they can run the ball and they seem to be getting better at it. This is making me laugh. It's, you know what it's making me think of? When they were 0-2. Like I said, I like this, I, I'm starting to like this team more all the time. And it's making me remember a few weeks ago when they were 0-2 and people were going, oh, the Bill Belichick coaching tree is no good. Matt Patricia stinks and this isn't working. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. No knee-jerk reactions here, anybody. No, I mean, they got pantsed in week one by the Jets at home, no less, on Monday Night Football. That was was embarrassing. And I think Lions fans have been in that position, not necessarily on a Monday Night game, but they've been disappointed enough times where – it was kind of the, oh, here we go again. And I think they, they felt like that was not overreacting because this is a franchise kind of like the Mets in Major League Baseball where you look at them and you're like, can you guys get anything right over a multi-year period? And every time you start to feel optimistic about the Lions, something tends to go wrong. But they have absolutely positioned themselves to be a much more dangerous team going into the second half of, of 2018 than I expect them to be, especially after that start. But even even before we saw what happened to begin the season, I, I just looked at that team and I thought, yeah, maybe they're going to win six or seven games, but they're not much better than that. Now they do look like a playoff team. Yep, they look good. All right, Redskins-Giants, uh, low over-under here, folks. Don't expect fantasy fireworks. The Redskins still have some receivers hurt. Crowder out. Uh, Chris Thompson might play, which is good. As far as th- this trade that we talked about, Damon Harrison... This this makes this spot. They traded the Giants trade Eli Apple too. Remember, so they're down two defensive starters, pretty good ones too. This puts Adrian Peterson in a pretty sweet spot this week, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems to. I mean, the Giants even with Damon Harrison, four point three yards per carry allowed this season, kind of right near the the middle of the pack as far as the run game efficiency is concerned. Uh, we know with with Eli, like drives aren't sustained quite the way you'd expect them to be with the weapons he has. So I think that bodes well. Uh, Peterson's just game script dependent. We've seen this all season. You know, if if they fall behind early, he disappears. Chris Thompson plays more. Or if Thompson's hurt, some other passing down back comes in and takes those snaps. Uh, so I, I look at this and I just think, okay, like setup's pretty good. Shouldn't get blown out. Um, the efficiency in those games where they really haven't been blown out has been generally good. So I, I think this is a, a positive AP week if you have to use them. Yep. Um, and Chris, keep an eye out for Chris Thompson again. Um, on the other side of the ball, I mean, usual suspects. You got to start those three giants. Ingram, Barkley, Odell. Hope things work out. Not the greatest Not the greatest uh, projection on points for this team. It's not, it's not like Monday night was, you know, you were expecting a lot, which you didn't really get. But can I, can I talk about the two point thing for a minute. Sure. So I'm guessing you and I agree that they, sh- that was the right move. Okay. Yes. I believe in mathematics. Yes. Thank you. I agree here. Here's the, on the counter argument. Look, even though I don't agree with the people who think they should have kicked the point and gone point twice and gone to overtime, assuming they got two touchdowns. Like, okay, I, it's been done like that for a long time. People don't like that change. They don't like the risk. Maybe, but the argument I, I hated was the whole, well, they got to know their team and their offensive line is not that good. So they're a lower risk than other teams, bigger risk than other teams not to make it. I'm looking at this, I'm going, they just drafted a running back who they drafted because they said they could see him in a gold jacket. And, and you're telling me they need to know their team well enough and not let that guy try to get in one out of two times from two and a half yards away. Yeah. it's. I mean... It's kind of funny too. Like I, I saw one of the, I watched the the Mike Francesa clip, which it was about a ninety second clip of him trying to explain why he didn't like it. I think that's what he's trying to explain. And for about twenty five to thirty seconds, he kind of just mumbled through the math in a way that made me convinced that he actually had no idea what the math was. Um, but more importantly than that, in in the sake of what I'm trying to say here, he also brought up their. Uh, inefficiency in the red zone as a reason why they shouldn't have gone for two. And I thought, well, scoring from inside 20 yards is a little different than scoring from inside two, right? Right. I mean, when you need two yards, it's a very different set of plays. When you get the ball inside the 20, you still have to run a few plays to finish the drive. Like that's right. Those are different problems you're trying to solve. I think 
people that don't get the math are, are also significantly overstating how difficult it is for an NFL offense with weapons like Beckham and Barkley in it to gain two yards against anybody. Right. And I think since they moved the extra point back, too, on top of that, that's another little nudge in favor of going for two more often in general. And people just don't seem to care. A lot of people don't seem to care. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's a, and it's not for the last time. I know this is probably the third day in a row I've talked about it. Sorry, everybody. But it's, it's not advanced calculus here. It's, hey, this gives me a better chance to win. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's simple. <laughs> there's, there's a chart. The uh, at Cole underscore Kev, he's one of the uh, the research people over at Roto Grinders. He put up the the very simple chart that breaks it down in a way like if you're a visual learner, it's it's a really helpful tool to look at that. Yep. All right, Broncos Chiefs. Um, Royce Freeman didn't practice Wednesday, right? So might be if you look at the numbers and the Chiefs having given up a lot of uh, fantasy points to running backs, Philip Lindsay could be in a really sweet spot this week but we thought that last week about joe mixon and the problem is if your team if you're a running back you can look at the chiefs against running back numbers all you want but if your team gets blown out it doesn't really work yeah that's like a bengals primetime game horror show script though <laughs> i think that was like <laughs> uniquely bad that even, even like the, the that was that was the one in ten outcome for the bengals that comes up more than it should not to get into more math stuff, but they, I don't know. I, the one in no 10 that go- comes up one out of two. That one. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> one, like it, it should be the, it should be the outlier, like the, the kind of rare sort of outcome. And it comes up way too much. Uh, Philip Lindsay, I think is, is pretty interesting because he does catch some passes. Uh, Booker can do that too, though. And I think that's where Lindsay could still kind of fall out a little bit. If the Broncos were to follow the Bengals pattern, I don't think it's going to go down like that. The good news here for Royce Freeman owners is that it doesn't seem like it's a high ankle sprain now. I think when we spoke last week, yep. that was the initial report that it might have been a high ankle sprain. So even if Freeman doesn't play this week, it might not be as bad as we once thought. So really, you're just kind of bumping up the carry expectation for Lindsay from 10 or 12, wherever you have up to like 16. Uh, and that's that's a pretty big boost. I mean, if, if you're worried of another blowout scenario... I still don't think you can really sit Philip Lindsay unless you're pretty loaded at running back. Yep, I agree with you. Um, any Chiefs you like less than usual in this spot? No. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just, me neither. I, I just this isn't quite the same Broncos defense we've been accustomed to. I mean, they still have some some really good players, Von Miller, Chris Harris, but I I look at this team and I, the Chiefs offense. I just think Andy Reid has everything clicking right now. Mahomes has the ability to throw guys open. He can throw on the run. He kind of just does everything you want in a quarterback that can can break down matchups that even aren't that favorable for this offense right now. So, no, I'm not really backing off any Chiefs as a result of this matchup. All right. Folks, Hims is a new wellness brand for men. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. That's not good. The thing is, when you start to notice your hair loss, it's too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have than it is to replace the hair you've lost. Like, I mean, you know, do you want a bald spot to pop up or your hair to, your hairline to recede? Or do you want to do something about it first? You want to do something about it first, right? Got to do something about it. Right. So, uh, yeah, because you wait a year and then it's, it's just gone, man. You know, you're, you're, you're in big trouble. Um, but sometimes, you know, guys turn to weird solutions or they do nothing um, when they can turn to medicine and science. And there's no reason why to do that. So... Forhims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. We talked about math. We like math. We like science, right? Perfect. This is what this show's about, math and science and football sometimes. Um, I was bad at science. Really bad. I, I, I was good up until um, Chem 2. I, I voluntarily took a second year of chemistry classes in high school, and at that point, I learned that I'm not one of the great science minds of the world. <laughs> well, fortunately, we have forhims.com. If, we, if the science we want to solve is, is baldness. Hims connects you. It's forhims.com. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. They have well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. There's no you know, gas station sup- counter supplements, snake oil pills, no weirdness going on here, just prescription solutions backed by science. Also, there's no waiting room, no awkward in-person doctor visits. You can save hours by going to 4 and get prescribed. It's so easy, and products are shipped directly to your door. Order now. 
Listeners here get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. Go to the website, forhims.com for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. Go to forhims.com slash rwfootball. That's forhims, F-O-R-H-I-M-S, forhims.com slash rwfootball, forhims.com slash rwfootball. You get a trial month for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. Go check it out, forhims.com slash rwfootball. All right, down to my neck of the woods. Ravens Panthers, bad fantasy game, bad one. Like I, I every week, the Panthers website has—I don't know if I've told you this before, probably—has some local media people competing in a fantasy contest. It's a season long. There's ten people, and each week we pick a quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, and a tight end. The rule is you can only use each player once, except for Panthers. Panthers. You can use any Panther three times over the course of the season, right? Oh, yeah. nice, nice, nice little. That's a good. That's a good wrinkle for. It's, it's killing for, me, by the way. I'm, for, I, last for, week for I was content. a mess. I went. I went with the Dalton Boyd stack last week. Ooh, yeah. I outsmarted myself. You know, other people are playing. You know, Patrick Mahomes, and I'm playing Andy Dalton. Like, who's the smart <laughs> one? So, so you probably already played Mahomes. Like, no, not yet. I've been saving him actually. Oh, I mean, the second half of the season is going to be strong, but you know, I, I was trying to anyway. That's that's a, a whole other thing. But I'm looking at the same and going, I don't want to play any Panthers here. I mean, why? Do I have to pick one, really? <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, you're probably not allowed to really say that on the Panthers show, but um, no. it, might be, it might be discouraged, even if, even if it's not banned. But it's a, it's a bad offense. It's a good game, and I think they'll win. It's just not a good fantasy spot for anyone. Like, someone will probably emerge. You know, they'll score two touchdowns, and someone will score them. But trying to predict this, I don't know. I mean, Christian McCaffrey here, what, what are, what's going on with it? And the, the, the Christian McCaffrey truthers, and I'm not making fun of them, after week three, they were flying high. Like, look at all this volume. He's exactly what I thought. In the last two weeks, not so much. He's gotten 15 and 13 touches. And this week does not project to be a friendly environment either. You're playing this guy, but what? it's hard to know what to expect the rest of the season because his usage has varied so much. Yeah, it has. Uh, Washington, much like... The uh, Ravens, they played Washington last week, the Ravens here, like Washington's had a pretty good run defense and people haven't talked that much about it. They got them in week six. Philly, I think, can be pretty tough defensively overall, even though they've underperformed at times this year. Maybe it's a little tough spot in the schedule for him. Um, the concern is just that the carries are, are down. I mean, he was getting double digit carries in three of the first four games. It was only 10 in week one. But I'm looking at, at the McCaffrey situation right now. And I'm just wondering what has changed in the mind of Norv Turner? You know, like why, why wouldn't you want to get him 20 touches every single week? He's the kind of guy that can get 80% of his yards on one play, but you got to keep giving him those chances, right? right? You got to, you got to keep trying to get the explosive play. And even last week he was getting 4.1 yards per carry. He got eight and a half yards per catch on the six catches. Like, Keep feeding that. That's good. You're you're getting positive results, right? But he, in, in his defense, the last two weeks have been against strong run defenses, which this week projects to be as well. I mean, if I'm a Christian McCaffrey owner, I'm not thinking that this is the new normal, but I'm also not seeing week eight here as a particularly good spot for my guy. No, no, it's not a good spot, but. In, in all of this, I think where we're at is kind of in the same spot as the last couple of weeks. You're probably looking at 15 touches at a, as a floor with almost half of those coming in the passing game, which in a PPR league makes him crazy safe still. Yeah. And even against an, an elite defense, the Ravens are great against the pass. They were the best in the league going to last week as far as their efficiency goes. Uh, and at the top five run defense, he's just one of those guys. If somebody misses an assignment, somebody misses a tackle, he can break one against anybody. And I just think you, you've seen the floor the last two weeks. And if that floor is good enough because you're playing in a half or a full point PPR league, you throw him out there again this week and you say, yeah, maybe it's not the best Christian McCaffrey week, but he's, he's going to be okay because he catches so many passes where I think things are going to open up. Look at their upcoming schedule. They still have Tampa Bay coming up twice. Yep. They get a possible shootout against the Steelers in Pittsburgh in week 10. Lions be better with with Damon Harrison, but we'll have a better idea three weeks from now how good that Lions defense really is with Harrison compared to how it was without him. 
they got Cleveland in week 14. Not easy, but not bad. The Saints and the Falcons at home in weeks 15 and 16. So there are some really high-scoring games that set up very favorably for Christian McCaffrey coming up. So if, the, if you want a little window to try and actually pry him away from an owner, this is probably it as far as the, the trade opportunities go. I think you might be right. Um... Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Brown Steelers. Oh, by the way, I, back, to the, uh, back to that game, the, the Panthers game. Just the, We run into a Ravens receiver question in a lot of weeks. I don't like, I mean, do you like anyone here? I mean, I've got John Brown at 21st at receiver, but like, and Crabtree 27th at standard, but I'm not happy about it. I don't have a compelling reason. Like, again, this is more of a DFS sort of thought, uh, but I, I'm not going at them this week the way I've been going at them in previous weeks. And the stock answer all along continues to be, if I'm going to use a Ravens receiver in a tournament, it continues to be John Brown because the efficiency on a lower number of targets is pretty high. And I yep. think he can, it's, it's kind of like the McCaffrey theory where it's like he, he can hit a big play and that's all he needs. He's just that kind of guy. All right. Um, by the way, the Rotowire projections, Brown 31st, Crabtree 34th, Brown Steelers. Um, why does Hugh Jackson hate Duke Johnson? Do you think I was expecting an uptick from Duke last week and I didn't get it. And now I'm like, I'm never going to get it. Yeah, he played 50% of the snaps last week. I mean, it's, it's in line with what he's done the previous two weeks. Um, I, I don't really understand the Browns right now. I mean, how much of this is Todd Haley? How much of this is Hugh Jackson? Are they on the same page? Duke should be pretty safe as the pass catching back. And the, the big question I have is just, is Nick Chubb going to catch passes in the NFL, even though he was not asked to do that in college? And I think that's something I'm kind of watching for not anticipating it, just watching for that in the next few weeks. Um, this game is pretty interesting to me because I think the Steelers' defense is a good pick-up-and-play defense this week. I think they can get a lot of sacks. Uh, Baker, as a rookie quarterback, still going to make some mistakes. you got turnover potential, and he has to go on the road. So I think you know there could be some good garbage-time production from Baker Mayfield. I'm not like sitting any elite or top-end Browns guys at their respective positions, but... Generally, I still think this is a very positive game script for the Steelers and more of a catch-up scenario for the Browns. So hopefully we will see more of Duke Johnson this week as a result. All right. Um, Baker Mayfield in a decent spot because the Steelers' defense not that good. Rotowire has him at uh, – the projections have him at QB 18. Uh, Steelers, we're starting all Steelers, including Vance McDonald here, right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. There's no no reason not to. Yeah. I mean, I've got McDonald. I've got him at right – Tight end 14, so he's not a must. The projection system has him 16 behind Ben Watson. What? What the? Can you talk to someone about that? Yeah, I, I don't agree with that. All right. Jets-Bears. Uh, Trubisky had some issues thrown outside. His success was basically to Cohen and Burton. Um, maybe things change. Things probably change. If you have the Bears receivers, you have Robinson or Gabriel with the Jets cornerback issues, I mean, they're, they're all hurt. Are you rolling back out there with those receivers? Yeah, I think this is a good bounce back week for them. Um, again, the Patriots can can do some things schematically that might confuse a young quarterback. And, and Trubisky wasn't trusted to do a lot last year. So he's still kind of like a rookie in some ways working through a new offense. Uh, if Robinson's completely healthy by the end of the week, I think this is a good bounce back spot for him. Just think he's kind of shifting away from cash game staple to more of almost like a, a GPP guy because they have so many other weapons they can throw to. All right. Uh, any interest in Chris Herndon? Herndon? I guess it would depend on your situation. Are you excited or just like, yeah, I could see it kind of? I think it's more of the latter. It's just sort of a, a desperation kind of move. All right. Same. I actually picked him up in fishbowl. So, because that's a deep tight end centric league. So we'll see if that works. Folks, fantasy draft, we put players first. 
We've got super flexible lineups. For the NFL, there's no kicker, and you can draft four running backs if you want. In NBA games, the lineups are even more flexible. If you want five guards and two centers, no problem. They've got a $100,000 run and gun weekly feature GPP with a $25 buy-in. They've got a $500,000 fantasy draft championship with 100K to first and weekly qualifiers happening now. Uh, that's got a week 16 final. There's a rake-free head-to-head for contests under 200 or half the rake for the other guys uh, of the other guys for the rest. That means if you and a friend both enter a $100 head-to-head, the winner gets 200. Fantasy Draft takes no fees, no rake. So right now, go to Fantasy Draft with refer code ROTOWIRE. When you make your initial deposit, you will get a free $4 GPP ticket. Pretty cool deal. So go to Fantasy Draft, use refer code ROTOWIRE when you make your initial deposit, and you get a free $4 GPP ticket. Fantasy Draft, we put players first. One thing more than the Jets, Bilal Powell on injured reserve uh, with a neck injury. So see ya, Bilal Powell. A lot more work for Isaiah Crawl. Bucks-Bengals. This is a nice fantasy game. Um, Peyton Barber did not practice Wednesday. He's got an ankle issue. And, uh, and the coach alluded to it on Monday. Could you, would you play Ronald Jones? Nope. <laughs> okay. Hard, hard pass. <laughs> hard pass on Ronald Jones against the Bengals. Okay. Uh, that means you're playing all the receivers pretty much. Uh, you're playing Howard and the two big receivers anyway. Um, maybe Chris Gockman. And you're playing Jameis. I love Jameis right now. As a fantasy quarterback, I love Jameis. I'm so all in. So Yeah, the offense is great. The weapons around him are great. And with Jones, I'm just worried that... They're going to run like Jacquez Rogers out there for passing downs and the occasional carry. And I don't know. They just, they just seem like they hate Ronald Jones, which I don't buyer's remorse, I guess. Right. Um, Tyler Boyd going to bounce back this week. I was so I told you I had that Dalton Boyd stack last week. I was so angry watching that game. And he literally I, he almost literally threw to AJ Green on every play in the first half. I'm like, where's the other guy, Andy? Where is he? Throw to him. Nothing. Yeah, Boyd, I think, can bounce back pretty nicely. I mean, the Bengals as a whole should be fine here. Tampa Bay's defense is nothing special. Uh, they played better against the Browns last week, and then the Browns kind of rallied back, sent that game to overtime. But I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, look, Green, Boyd, Uzoma, Mixon, the, the full suite of Bengals that you, you like are all interesting. And I almost wonder if this can be a return of John Ross-type scenario, too. Maybe get a little something. He's, he's hurt, Which, isn't he? thought he was coming back. No, he's, he's going to be out again this week. All so, right. nope, not a good John Ross week. Just <laughs> kidding. Um, but speaking of Uzoma, you know, last week he looked like he was in a good spot. And he didn't do much, but he caught the touchdown pass, which helped if you started him. Now, this week, I mean, the Bucks are literally, by a lot, the worst, have given up the most uh, points per game against fantasy tight ends, 13 points per game to fantasy tight ends. Uzoma's, I mean, it's, you know... If, if you had the guy, if you're ever going to start him, it's now. So good luck if you got him. But uh, he's uh, – let me see what we got here with him. Yeah, he caught the touchdown last week. All right. Colts Raiders. Who is going to catch the ball for the Raiders? What are they going to do here? I feel – I just picked up Martavis Bryant in the league as sort of a spec ad thing. I mean, he's going he's gonna to play, right? And they traded mm-hmm. a third-round pick for him. I mean, what they did in the offseason doesn't appear to have any bearing on what they're doing now. But he, he seems like a guy that could help you later in the season a little bit. Yeah, I, I think the problem with Bryant has always just been, in the past, he's always been a low-volume player, and I'm still not sure that's going to change. So I wonder if Jordy acts as their number one, getting a lot of top-end coverage, that's going to be a problem for him. He's just not going to get that much separation I wonder if it's going to be just like this long tail mess. Like Jared Cook probably gets a higher floor now. Yep. I think, I think it makes me more confident in Cook than I ever could have been before. And I think the rest of those targets that we're going to Cooper probably get split fairly evenly across, you know, Nelson, but also one to two to Bryant, one to two to Nelson, a couple to Seth Roberts. It, it's a little bit of everybody benefiting from Cooper being gone. I don't think there's a really like massive boost for anybody right now. All right. Um, their backfield, Marshawn Lynch on injured reserve. So Gruden says that Doug Martin's going to be, let's say, the nominal lead back with Jalen Richard mixed in a lot. I Even in a standard league, I think I'd rather have Richard. I would, too. I mean, Doug Martin's getting 3.7 yards per carry on the handful he's had this year. At least Jalen Richard is explosive. He was up close to five yards per carry last year, close to six as a rookie. Maybe there's some Chris Thompson here where you can't put that much on him, but he's bigger than Chris Thompson. So I think I think they should make him 
the lead back. I think he could do maybe some like Matt Breida type stuff if they gave him the chance to do it, even in a bad Raiders offense. All right, so the Rotowire projections have Richard at RB26, Martin at RB28. So it agrees with our take on this. Jack Doyle might be back for the Colts. Um, and Marlon Mack, Marlon Mack's a top 10 running back this week, right? If he's not, he's pretty close to it. I mean, I think Mack showed last year playing with a bad shoulder. He's got some big playability. Six of his 93 carries as a rookie. Went for 20-plus yards. Three of 41 so far have gone for 20-plus yards here in the three games he's played this season. The game script could be almost as good, if not as good, as it was last week because Oakland's bad. And even though the Colts had to go on the road, I think they want to get away from having Andrew Luck throw 77 passes a game. I think they want to actually have a more balanced sort of offense. And Mack is their best option as a runner. So, yeah, this is a good setup for him. The Raiders are, are bad against the run and bad against the pass. So, I think Mac has another big game this week. Okay, let's go to uh, the Rams again, hosting your Packers. Interesting stat I read this morning. The Packers are nine-point underdogs. They have never been an underdog by that many points with Aaron Rodgers as their starting quarterback. That's something. Yeah, it is something. I, um, I mean, like, do you even with the bye week, do you, do you feel as though the Packers are going to come out and, and be a, a well-oiled machine? No, on offense, I don't. It's possible, but I don't see. Like, I think Rodgers could keep it close, but I wouldn't put my money on it if forced to. Um, injury wise, cups out again, most likely for the Rams. Uh, Cobb and Allison both limited for the Packers on Wednesday, but we think sound from what I've heard. I feel like I I think Cobb's going to play, but Allison, I'm not sure. Are you are you kind of feeling the same way? Yeah, that's just kind of the, the early week sort of gut call and I think if he's back out there by Friday then Allison's fine but even just getting Cobb back maybe helps a little bit where I'm still pretty disappointed in this offense aside from the running game which I'm not getting into right now Jimmy Graham uh, I just think the the usage has been a little more sporadic than I would have liked the last two weeks hopefully are a sign of things to come 11 catches 180 yards 19 targets of those last two games those are pretty high volume games for the passing attack though Uh, so what I'm hoping is in a less pass happy game script if the Packers are playing well that Graham is still getting a similar number of targets week to week I hope it's not just the scale up because we need to throw it more sort of thing with him all right if if you had to pick and I said for fantasy purposes your Rams that everybody's starting all the time are Goff Gurley Cooks um and and uh who am I missing not Cup the other receiver Woods Woods thank you if you had to pick one that could get slowed down by the Packers, who would it be? Maybe it's Robert Woods. Like I don't see them having an answer for Gurley. I think Cooks as an explosive downfield threat. I mean, we've seen look look what Marquise Goodwin did to the Packers on Monday night two weeks ago before that bye. I mean, I just I have visions of Brandon Cooks just flying down the field for a, at least one long TD this week. So uh, I, I'll pick Woods of that group, but I don't. Tactically, this is one of the most lopsided coaching matchups you could have. <laughs> you had to go there again, didn't you? Always. Never disappoints. I call him like I see him, John. <laughs> By the way, um, did you see that the the line is out for Rams Chiefs Week 11? I did not see that. What's, what's the over-under, like 65? 63 and a half. Okay, see, like the, the DVR bot is not bad at setting lines on the fly. No, oh, not bad. I love it. I can't wait for that one. Folks, Kalo is the functional wedding ring. Kalo, which is spelled Q-A-L-O, is the name in silicon wedding rings. Kalo rings are designed to ensure that your hands are safe and comfortable in the workplace, the gym, the outdoors, and everywhere in between. Unlike traditional metal wedding rings, Kalo rings allow you to keep your ring on in times where a traditional metal wedding ring would need to be removed. Kalo rings allow people to live their lives safely and comfortably while still representing their commitment to their spouse and their family. Kalo has created a special code for our listeners. Use promo code ROTOWIRE at checkout to get 20% off your order. Kalo is the choice of firefighters, military, law enforcement, carpenters, electricians, and mechanics for everyday wear. It's available in 18 different styles and over 50 colors. And Kalo is the preferred ring of pro athletes such as NFL players Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton, Jordy Nelson, and Derek Carr, NBA MVPs Steph Curry and LeBron James, and Major League Baseball All-Stars Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Chris Bryant. They all trust Kalo on and off the field. Visit Kalo.com. That's Q-A-L-O. Kalo.com. Don't forget to use code ROTOWIRE at checkout for 20% off your order. 
All right, so we go from a uh, a good game, Packers Rams, a good fantasy game, to 49ers Cardinals. Um, 49ers are optimistic that Matt Breida will play after getting injured last week. We'll see about that. So the Cardinals, they had that debacle against the Broncos uh, on last Thursday night. They fire Mike McCoy right away, mercifully. We talked last week about David Johnson just, you know, running up the middle. Do, do you – but the thing is, we I want to be optimistic about David Johnson. Like, we keep saying they've got to use him differently, and, and a smart team will use him differently. I, I mean, I don't know what Byron Leftwich is going to do as their offensive coordinator, but are you yet confident that this is going to happen in a better way? Like, do we have to wait and see? You're not benching David Johnson, so I guess you're not waiting and seeing, but, but what do you think is going to happen? I think they have to use him more and have to use him in a smarter way. Like, it, if you take over the job for somebody else and there's a clear reason why they were fired, you're going to change the thing that they got fired for as long as you can recognize it. So I'm going to give Byron Leftwich the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I think if you ran an NFL offense at all, like and Mike McCoy did too. I think he was a, he was a quarterback. But I think it, just having that sort of weapon is something that, especially Byron Leftwich, I think he could appreciate that. I think as, as a recent NFL quarterback, he could see very clearly how helpful a guy like David Johnson would be, especially for a rookie in Josh Rosen. I mean, come on. Like, David Johnson's their best weapon right now, and making him the focal point of the offense, I would imagine, has to be his priority. There's nowhere to go but up. That's that's the main takeaway here. Like, that's that's where I've been at all along. So I can't imagine it gets much worse. And I expect that it will get at least incrementally better beginning this week. All right. Folks, I'd love to tell you to start Raheem Mostert. But if Matt Breida plays, then it's a three-headed monster back there. So be careful. Listen to the news about Breida and and figure that out over the weekend. All right. Saints-Vikings Sunday night. So since Mark Ingram has returned, we knew that he would eat into Alvin Kamara's workload, Right. No problem. We, we, that was baked in in the beginning, even when you wanted to take him in the middle of the first round, which I didn't, but you know he's at least proven me wrong so far. Weird, though, in the two games since Mark Ingram has been back, Kamara's got six targets in the passing game and five receptions. What in the world's going on there? I don't really understand what's happening with this. I mean, I, I would assume that regardless of Ingram, Kamara, because of what he did last year, is your second receiver, essentially, behind Michael Thomas. Like That's what they were doing at the beginning of the season, even without Ingram. Like 9, 6, 15, and 5 for those targets, or for those catches, rather, those first few games. It was 12, 6, 20, and 9 for targets through the first four games. Right. Why why go away from that? Um, I don't have a good reason. Week five, I, I wrote off Kamara's strange usage to the game script. Right. I think that was a fair write-off. The matchup against the Ravens was one that I thought Kamara would be the difference maker. He might be the thing that allowed them to move the ball through the air better than most teams throw on the Ravens. That wasn't the case either. I guessed wrong on the game script. So I I don't have an explanation for this. And I'm not going into panic mode if I have Elvin Kamara. But am I opting in, in in leagues like the one you described where you can use everybody once? Do you throw them out there this week? Uh, in, in DFS, do you do you pay up for him and feel like you're getting something good? That's where it gets really tricky for me. Mm-hmm. I I think I like him as more like more of a GPP guy right now than a cash game play, which is strange to say after his heavy usage to start the season. All right. Um, injuries on Minnesota defense, by the way. Cornerback uh, Xavier Rhodes, linebacker Anthony Barr did not practice Wednesday. You're going to need to watch out for that for both of those because it looked last week like Rhodes' was, was, injury wasn't great. Uh, Dalvin Cook probably out again. The other thing in this game, so the Saints did get Eli Apple, but Lattimore is their lockdown guy. Is this a game? I'm looking at this game, and I'm thinking Lattimore shadows Thielen, and Diggs has a rebound game after last week's, you know, eight Diggs owners have to be frustrated because he's being used as sort of the, the safety valve thing. Uh, I, 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 I'm looking at this and thinking it might be a bounce back game for Diggs. What do you think? I kind of thought it was going to happen last week though, with the yeah. Jets missing corners. It didn't play out that way. I, I've been calling this one, a one B the entire season because the target volumes have been good for both of these guys. 
it's weird that Diggs didn't do more last week. I mean, 15 targets, eight catches, but only 33 yards. That was really bizarre. Uh, I still think it's stealing over Diggs if you're just choosing straight up, even if Lattimore's following him around. There's just not really a good answer for what Adam Thielen is doing to opposing teams right now. No one's been able to stop it. Seven straight games with over 100 yards. Just it's amazing to see it on that game log, and he does it with lots of big plays, too. And that's been the case for him really going back to 2016 when he had that breakout late in the year. He's always been a guy that finds ways to get big chunks of yardage uh, at a really high rate. So he's on pace for like 150 catches and almost 2,000 yards this season. It's, yep. it's totally insane. All right, let's go to Pat's Bills Monday night. Um, Sony Michelle not going to play. Rob Gronkowski, uh, according to the Boston Globe, and this is on the, his Rotowire player page, has, quote, a shot to play. This is a Monday night game, folks. You're going to need to be very careful with Gronk and if you have uncertainty on Sunday morning, you're going to need to go in a different direction. And Derek and I will talk more about that on Friday's podcast as far as our break glass in case of emergency people. Uh, could be Charles Clay Monday night, for instance. Um, so if the Pats have this, these, these guys out, who's the big beneficiary? White is the obvious one. Is it him? Most? Is there anything, anyone else you look at? Like last week, Gronk was out, and I felt like a few, a few smart people went, Hogan. I think he was six for 63 or so. I mean, does someone else besides White really get a big game if Gronk and Michelle are out? So I think this sets up nicely for Kenyon Barner. And I think it's going to be a little bit like the, the Jonas Gray explosion a few years ago <laughs> where Kenyon Barner is going to have the best game of his life because then the oversleep. game script is so favorable. Hopefully, hopefully he doesn't have the Jonas Gray or John Paul, John Paul alarm clock issues. <laughs> Hopefully he's fine, but I just think that this is what this is one of those games where the Patriots should win so easily that they're just burning clock in the third quarter. They're not normally they're like all about the foot on the gas, put up more points. I just think Barner is going to be a guy that surprisingly is very useful this week and then kind of tails off quite a bit in the weeks ahead. I think there are some limitations. It's a lot like a Mike Gillisley type player. I think that's, that's sort of how they're going to use him. Uh, and with other pieces missing that usage gets up high enough where I, I like him a good bit this week. You look ahead, like they get green Bay in week nine, Tennessee in week 10 by week 11. Sony Michelle, I would assume is probably back around week 12, if not sooner. So these next few games for Barner might be more flex worthy. This almost looks like an RB two situation just based on game script. For Kenyon Barner. Wow, that's aggressive. Um, I'm impressed. I have actually I'm at 27th, so not too far off. But yeah, I mean, like I, I, I'm not saying you're you're pulling guys out of that spot. I just think he's he's like a flex player that might significantly exceed your expectations for this week, and then make your life miserable the next two right. as you overestimate how he's going to be utilized. All right, as far as the Bills, uh, LaShawn McCoy and the concussion protocol. So we'll see. Actually, was there any update on that one on Wednesday? I don't think so. Let me double-check that before we move on. That was a really good setup for him last week against the Colts, and he left that game very early. And I thought he hurt his leg when I saw the play. I didn't see the concussion part. I thought because the way his leg kind of he got, flew up in the air. Um, one thing about last week with the Bills, as bad as they are, and poor Derek Anderson. Well, not poor Derek Anderson. He came out because he wanted to make some money. Um, but he reconnected with Calvin Benjamin. A few people said, hey, maybe this will happen. And I was like, no way. Calvin Benjamin stinks. Derek Anderson stinks. Four for 71. Not too shabby. That is pretty much in line. I don't remember if I threw the line out on this episode with you or on the DFS one with Scott, but that's kind of what I thought Benjamin would do. You know, good number. I thought he'd get more targets and just have less target efficiency than he did. Right. I didn't expect him to score. And I thought the yards would be okay. And, you know, I... I'd, decided not to use him in DFS. I was using guys like Willie Sneed instead. I didn't stream him in season long because I just felt like there was still enough there where it could go completely wrong. The Colts are good enough defensively where, you know, they could tee off on Anderson and uh, I, I, I didn't see it. Some people followed through on it and, and had a small, small reward for it. Like he was efficient, but yeah, I'm not chasing that. Okay. Um, not either. And by, and the targets, by the way, similar last five weeks, Benjamin's targets, 5-6, five, 5-6-5. Six, five, six, five. So it's not like they went to him a lot more. It just kind of worked out a little better because Anderson's probably better than Nathan Peterman. Okay. Um, oh, by the way, I th- I think with Gronk and Michelle, the Bills are going to cover the 14-point spread. So I picked the 
the Bills to cover last week against the Colts, and they yeah. weren't even close. They lost by 32. So I <laughs> I don't know if I'm picking the Bills to – I don't think I'm taking the Bills plus the points against anybody right now. It's going to take something something drastic for that position to change. Fair enough. All right, what else you got going on? Oh, it's Thursday, so it's a big hockey day for me. But uh, a little bit of everything, you know, got the World Series going on. Got DFS hoops, DFS hockey. Got the DFS football episode coming up. John's in for uh, for Scott, not not you, John. John McKechnie uh, is going to sub in this week, so we'll get that episode nice. out tomorrow uh, on Friday this week. So yeah, that's, that's what's going on. All right, folks, listeners here can get a free ten day RotoWire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card required for that. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod. Folks, if you like this podcast, as always, please leave a review and a rating wherever you're listening. And thank you for listening to this edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Derek and I will be back on Friday to cover the latest news and injuries and all that after most of the practices on Friday. So please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.